Well, I'm glad you're here today. We're uh, we're continuing with a series of messages that we began last week called "Hello, My Name Is Freedom," and what we're talking about uh, for last week and this week, and then we're going to do week after next. Uh, we're talking about three things that we think we need to focus on as a church if we are going to accomplish our mission. Our mission is helping people discover the true freedom only Christ can give. True freedom only comes from Jesus, from being freed of your sins, and that's what we want to do. We want to help as many people as possible in this community around the world discover that true freedom in Jesus. And there are three things that we've kind of honed in on it that we believe if we'll focus on these as a church, it will help us to be more effective in accomplishing our mission. Last week, we talked about the first one, which is grow toward Christ. And we talked about the fact that, that when you get saved, when, you, when Jesus changes your life, when, when, you, when you're forgiven of your sin, that that's not the end, but that's only the beginning. And that begins a long journey of then every day becoming more like Jesus, growing closer to Jesus. And the big fancy word that we talked about last week that the Bible uses for that is being sanctified. And we talked about what that means. And so today, we're moving to the next thing that we're focusing on. And today, I want to talk to you about Develop real relationships. Develop real relationships. That, that, is, that is something that, that we believe that, that is so key into us becoming the church that we want to be. Now, what we, we're going to talk a little bit about what we mean by that. Now, if you've read the Bible at all, if you've heard someone like me stand up here and teach the Bible, you, it, it doesn't take you long to figure out that the Bible is all about our relationships. The very first thing that the Bible is about, it's about our relationship with God. It's about the links that God has gone to to have a relationship with us. It's also, the Bible talks a lot about our relationships with each other. It talks about marriage and the marriage relationship. It talks about raising children and the, the relationship between parents and kids and how kids are supposed to respect parents and how parents are supposed to treat their children and raise them in the ways of Jesus. It talks about our relationships that we have with each other as far as friendships and the way that we can live in such a way so that our relationships will be healthy and not dysfunctional like we see so many times today. It also talks about our relationships. If you're a follower of Jesus, it talks about what your relationship is supposed to be like to those who don't follow Jesus and to those who live in what the Bible calls the world and, and how the world sees things one way and how followers of Jesus see things another way. And it talks about that relationship. So when we start talking in, in church about developing real relationships, we are, we're talking right into the language that the Bible is teaching us about. And here, here's the funny thing is that Really, who you are is, is a bunch of relationships. I, I mean, you even identify yourself. I identify myself by my relationships. When someone starts talking to me, I say, well, I'm married to my wife, Sherry, and we've been married for 21 years. I'm identifying myself by a relationship. I talk about the fact that I've got two daughters. One's a senior in high school this year. One's just entered middle school in sixth grade. What am I doing? I'm identifying myself by my relationships. You do the same thing. Even if you identify yourself by work, you talk about where you work. That's a relationship that you have with the people you work and the company you work for, the company that you own. And so we identify ourselves by our relationships. So our relationships are so key into who we are as human beings. But even though that's the case, we live in a culture that more and more is pushing us away from one another. And we don't develop real relationships. And I know you're thinking, wait a minute, Cliff, do you not pay attention to what's going on? We have Facebook now. 
and we have text, you know, texting on smartphones, and we can keep up with people much better than we used to. But I'm talking about real relationships. See, recently in my life, I just attained a status that I never thought was possible a few years ago. I mean, I, I found out recently that I am way more important than I ever thought that I could be, and I'm pretty proud of myself over it. See, recently, I surpassed 1,000 Facebook friends. And so, you know what that means? That means I've got 1,000 people that really love me, that want to be involved in my life, a thousand people that I can depend on if something bad happens to me. If I, if I do something stupid and leave my wife and my kids and run off and act like a fool, i got a thousand people that are going to stand behind me and say, Cliff, we love you anyway. Now, do you think that's true? No. i got Facebook friends I've never met before. i got Facebook friends that, that I looked on there and they, they friend requested me and I just see, oh, they're friends with a bunch of people I went to high school with. Well, I guess I went to high school with them. Okay, I guess I better be their friend. See, I went to a really big high school. I don't even remember most of the people I went there with. And so, so I mean, we, we've got all these situations where we think, yeah, we're closer than we've ever been and all this kind of stuff. But when it comes to real relationships, real relationships that you share your life with each other, you share your struggles with each other, you share your successes, that's people you can count on when, when times are difficult, people that you want to be with when, when you've got something to celebrate. We don't have a lot of real relationships. It was recently I, I was having a conversation with somebody and, and I was telling them, I said, yeah, I got this friend that does such and such. And then I started thinking about what had just come out of my mouth. And I thought to myself about that guy, nothing against him, but I thought, you know what, we're really not friends. He's a guy that I know. He's a guy that I've met a couple times, and we've had great conversations, but we're not friends. And, and I think that we use that term so loosely. We talk about somebody who's our friend, and it's really somebody that when it came down to it, you don't really want to go to lunch with them. Y'all act like I'm the only one that thinks that way. Y'all got people, y'all like, dude, I'll talk to you, but I ain't going to lunch with you. And that's just, you know, so, so we, we're not, we don't have as many close relationships, I think, is what we, what we thought we did. And, and what I want us to do, I want Freedom Fellowship to become a church where the term friend means something. I want it to be a place where we've created an environment where you can have real relationships with people. That's one of the reasons why we make such a big deal about life groups every spring and every fall. We're going to study the book of James in there, which is going to be awesome. But it's also going to be awesome that while you're in there studying the book of James, you're going to get to know somebody you've never known before. You're going to get to sit in the house of someone that you've never been to their house before. You're going to get to sit down across the table and eat some taco dip and drink some Mountain Dew and have a conversation and find out, you know what, I've got something in common with this person. And so that's just a one way of that we try to do things to help you develop those real relationships because that's what we want. Now, why do we want that? Why do we want you? Why do I care as a pastor if you make friends with people here? Why is that even important to me? Why is that important to, to our elders that, that, that you become friends with people here and that you develop these real relationships? Well, because it comes back to what church really is. See, church is people. 
Church is not a building. If church was a building, we wouldn't be very much of a church because we have to rent this building. We don't own a big building. If church was a building, you'd be able to just go to the church with the biggest building and know that's the best church. But church is not a building. Church is people. Church is the people of God gathered together to do the work of God in this community and around the world. And the way that people function best is if they have real, healthy relationships. When I was in high school, I had a friend of mine uh, who was one of my favorite people to hang out with, but he was an idiot. And that's one of the reasons why he was one of my favorite people to hang out with. And uh, in fact, we went to school together, and, uh, and he was my roommate my freshman year, and he was such an idiot that he never got to come back. You know, I ended up graduating without him because he was just too busy being him. And, and, uh, but we had a lot of fun that freshman year uh, while he wasn't studying at all. And so uh, when we were in high school, he had this Oldsmobile Cutlass, Oldsmobile Cutlass with the half vinyl top. Remember those? Man, those, those were sweet back in the late 80s. And, uh, but the thing about those, and I ended up having one of those later, which I loved, but the thing about those things, I don't know if you realize this, they burnt oil like crazy. And you were constantly having to check the oil and put oil in those, those old Oldsmobiles. Well, um, my buddy, he didn't believe in checking the oil. And, uh, and I remember one Friday night, he comes by my house. And now my daddy had raised me to, to know that, that by the time the oil light comes on in your car, it's pretty much too late you know he he said if you wait that long you've got problems you need to p- get the oil in there before the oil light comes on he comes and picks me up one day and uh and one one friday night we're gonna go out and mess around and he pulls up in the driveway and his car is making this awful racket and i get in and i was like man what is wrong with your car i said dude i don't even know you know and so we're sitting in it and it's making this awful racket while we're riding down the road and i look over and the oil light's burning bright red on that thing I said, man, you're low on oil. What is going on? He said, I don't even know anything about that. So I made him, we pulled into, you know, a place and and walked in and got some oil. And we had to end up putting about a quart and a half of oil in that thing. He'd been riding around that low. And the reason why his engine wasn't running well is because it was low on oil. Because what does an engine need to to run smoothly? It needs oil for all that stuff, all that metal that rubs against each other. It's got to have the oil to lubricate it. In our life, in the life of this church, relationships, real relationships are like the oil that will keep the engine going. It's, it's, the, it's the thing that will, that will help us run smoothly. It's the thing that will help us through difficult times in life. And so I want to talk to you today about that. And, and I've got a couple things that I'm going to mention. And the first one is this. Developing real relationships is vital for spiritual health. Developing real relationships is vital for spiritual health. If you're going to be a healthy person physically, you understand that there are certain things you're supposed to do and not do. Do, you should do, you know, some physical exercise, you should diet well, that kind of thing. Not do, you want to avoid crash diets, you want to avoid like crystal meth and, you know, whatever, you know, steroids, terrible stuff like that. You want to avoid skydiving without a parachute. All those things are bad for you for your physical health, but there's certain things that you're supposed to do. Well, when it comes to spiritual health, there are certain things that we should do to maintain good spiritual health, and one of those things is to develop real relationships, to have deep relationships with other people who are focused on the same thing, focused on growing in Christ like you are. Now, 
uh, I want to read you a passage of Scripture. Look at Hebrews chapter 10. If you've got your Bibles, you can go ahead and turn to Hebrews. Hebrews is in the New Testament towards the end of the Bible. Hebrews 10. If you don't have it, it's going to be on the screen here. I'm going to read you two verses. It says this. And let us consider how we may, say this next word with me loud, spur. Let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. Now these two verses in the book of Hebrews, the context that it's written in in those verses, the context is they're talking about how to persevere through difficult times. That's what those verses are talking about. What do you do when difficult things happen in your life? And if you're not in a difficult time in your life now, there's a difficult time coming around the corner because none of us escape it. All of us in life are going to have to deal with sickness. We're going to have to deal with death. We're going to have to deal with depression. We're going to have to deal with loss of friends. We're going to have to deal with financial troubles. We're going to have to deal with relationship problems. All of us are going to have to deal with those things from time to time. And in the, the context of that, what the, what the guy who wrote Hebrews here is saying is, listen, when, when things are difficult, we need to, as Christians, we need to look around and we need to consider how we might help each other stay in the right path, go in the right direction. See, I love that he uses the word there, spur. Now, I'm not a horse, never been a horse. I've never been spurred before. But I can only imagine that for the horse, being spurred is not the most pleasant thing that it can be. I can't imagine someone being on my back and sticking something pointy in my ribs to make sure that I keep moving. But why do you spur a horse? You spur a horse so that it'll get moving. You spur a horse because it's wanting to stay in one spot and not do anything or go in the wrong direction, and you spur it so it'll get going in the right place and in the right direction. And what the writer of Hebrews here is saying is this. All of us in life are going to go through difficult times where sometimes we just want to quit. Where sometimes we want to get off the path of what Jesus has for us. And he says, as followers of Jesus, if you have real relationships with, with people, other people that follow Jesus, then what can happen is you can spur one another. It might not be pleasant at the time. It might not be pleasant when someone comes to you as a friend and says, and you're going off the path God wants you to go. But if you've developed that real relationship, there's a closeness there, there's a trust there, then they can spur you on to the direction that you need to go. The second verse there, verse 25, it kind of it goes on to, to talk about the way we are as human beings. It says, let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. So one of the things that we tend to do as human beings is when times get tough, things don't go exactly the way we want, is a lot of times we start to isolate ourselves. I can't tell you how many times I've sat back as the pastor of this church and I've watched people who were involved, they're coming here every week, they're serving, they're doing stuff, and all of a sudden, they start, they hit a bump in the road. They have, start having marriage problems. They start having problems with their kids. They start having this other stuff. And what are the, what's their first reaction that they want to do? I'm not going to come to church anymore. 
because they're embarrassed, because they think that no one else at the church has problems like they do, and they want to isolate themselves. And that's a dangerous thing to do. I've got, a, I've got two nephews and a niece. I have one sister, and she, she uh, and her husband have three kids, twin boys who are 14, and then a daughter who is the same age or just a few months younger than my youngest daughter. And so, so uh, my, my, my niece is named Kylie, and she is starting middle school, starting sixth grade, this, this, uh, just started this last week. Well, down there in, in uh, Irmo area around Columbia where, where they go to school, they have, there's two high schools. There's Dutch Fork High School and Irmo High School, and there's Dutch Fork Middle School and Irmo Middle School. But everyone who goes to Dutch Fork and Irmo, they all go to the same school for sixth grade. So, so you've got one school of sixth graders and then two middle schools with seventh and eighth grade and then two high schools. So uh, Kylie was getting ready to start her Crossroads Middle School is the name of it. It's sixth grade school. She was getting ready to start Crossroads sixth grade school last week. And my two wise nephews, Jacob and Austin, all 14 years of their wisdom, they sat her down and they said, let's give you some advice before you go to Crossroads. Because, see, they went to Crossroads two years ago. Now they're freshmen in high school. They said, when you meet new people at school, ask them, are you going to go to Dutch Fork or are you going to go to Irmo? And see, they go to Dutch Fork. And they said, if they say they're going to Irmo, ditch them. <laughs> that was their wise. And, and the, here's the reason why. Here's the reason why they told you. It's not that they hate Irmo. That only goes on between Greer and Blue Ridge. But I, no, I'm just, I don't know if it does or not. But, but it's not that they hate Irmo. The reason why is because when they were in sixth grade at Crossroads Middle School, they got to be really good friends with a couple of guys who were going to Irmo. And you know what happened at the end of the year? Those kids went on to Irmo Middle School. They went on to Dutch Fort Middle School. They don't, they don't see them anymore. They don't get to talk to them. They don't, you know, and it's like they realize we spent a whole year like hanging out with these guys and being buddies with them, and now we're really not even friends anymore. So they were trying to give Kylie some advice, but the advice they were giving her was, hey, Stay away from these certain people because, you, you know, you're going to be hurt later on. I think sometimes in church that, that we can be guilty of saying, you know what, I, I don't want to go and get real involved in people's lives because then what happens if, if, if I have to move or they have to, if they leave the church or what happens when things get difficult, then I'm going to have to share with them that I've got a, I got a messed up marriage and I don't know if I want to go that deep with people. And so we tend to isolate ourselves. And when we do that, it makes us spiritually malnourished. It hurts us spiritually. Now, you being saved by Jesus, that happens only between you and Him. You can't be saved because I think you ought to get saved. That happens because you give your life to Christ. And it's a decision that you make and it's a work that He does in your heart. But your growing in Jesus is very much connected to other people around you. If you think that once you get saved, well, I can just, me and God can go off and I can have my Bible and I don't need anybody else. Jesus didn't design you that way. You're not designed to be isolated. And so when you develop real relationships, it helps you with your spiritual health. Second thing is developing real relationships in the church will impact the community. Developing real relationships in the church will impact the community. See, when I spend a lot of time talking about, hey, we need to develop real relationships. We need to, to be, you know, have deep connections with one another. 
that sounds like it's all about just us. And we're just going to be, hey, we're just going to be real close together and we're going to get together and sing Kumbaya and share our deepest secrets and cry with each other. But by the way, there's no man that's signing up for that, you know, life group right there. And, uh, but we're, that's what we're going to do and we're just going to, you know, hang out and just do life together and love on each other. When we talk about that, it sounds like it's all about us. But I want you to look at this passage of Scripture. Look at these verses that Jesus says. John 13, 34 says this. A new command I give you. Love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. I'm not going to stand on that real long, but just, by the way, next time we say we want to just isolate ourselves and not develop relationship with people, we're just blatantly disobeying what Jesus said. He said, you must love one another. He didn't say, well, that's an option. If you want to love, it's okay. You want to love each other or you just want to ignore each other. I don't really care. No, he said, you must. Then verse 35, this is the part I want you to focus on. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. You know what I think is interesting about that verse? Is that if you read through the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, which tells the teaching of Jesus, there are a lot of things that Jesus told his followers to do. Jesus told his followers to, to take care of those less fortunate than they are. Jesus told his followers to spread the gospel, to tell about who he is. Jesus told his followers to make disciples. Jesus told his followers to baptize in his name, which we're going to do this afternoon. Jesus told his followers to pray and to ask for things in the name of Jesus. There are a lot of things that he told his followers to do. But out of all the things that he told his followers to do, the thing that he said, if you do this, people outside of the church, people outside of your circle of friends will look at you and go, hey, they're followers of Jesus, is if we love each other. If, if we really want to make an impact on this community, if we really want people outside of these walls that have never been in Greer High School at 10.30 on a Sunday morning to worship with us, if we really want those folks to look at this church and say, you know what, that's a church that's truly following Jesus. Jesus said the first step for us to do that is to love each other in here. To love one another. And, and that's not an inward-focused thing because let me tell you what happens. When we get serious about loving one another, that's going to spill over. If I'm serious about loving the people in this church, then when I go to work on Monday morning, I'm going to be more loving already, and I'm going to begin to love the people that I work with instead of talking about them behind their back. And if, if I love the people at church, then when I go to school on Monday morning, I'm going to begin to love the people I go to school with, even my teachers, even the, the people that, that I used to make fun of. See, Jesus said, if you want people to know that you follow me, then love each other. That's what he was saying. People will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Now, I'm not up here telling you that that's going to be easy. Because let me tell you how people can be. And I'm talking about people in this room. I'm talking about people who follow Jesus. I'm talking about people who have been saved. I'm talking about people who have been baptized. People like that can be selfish and negative 
and whiny and paranoid and lazy and undependable and needy and sometimes just downright mean. Now, I'm going to read that again, and if any of those describe you, I want you to stand up. No, I'm just kidding. I... <laughs> but that, it's, it's difficult. When, you know, when I talk about de- developing real relationships, I'm not standing up here saying, hey, everybody, it's just going to be this big love fest. It can be hard. And when you put yourself out there, when you, when you decide, you know what, I'm going to trust this person, I understand that that, but that's kind of a scary thing. But if you do that, it's going to be good for you, it's going to be good for the other person, and it'll be good for people in this community. It'll be good for people that don't yet know Jesus. And then the last thing is obvious if these, based on what we've talked about, is this. Developing real relationships will grow a healthy church. Developing real relationships will grow a healthy church. I was having a, I had a conversation with somebody um, just last week and this guy is, has always been very, very encouraging to me personally, and he's just a very encouraging person, and, and, a, and a person who believes, who's, who's not a part of this church, but a person who knows this area and believes in the mission of this church. And he told me the other day, we were on the phone, and he said, he said, Cliff, I really believe that the Greer, Taylors, Blue Ridge area needs a church like Freedom Fellowship. And I agree, obviously I agree with him 100% or I wouldn't be up here doing what I do. But what he was talking about, because we had been discussing different things, and what he was talking about is, he was talking about that, that this area needs a church like this where we can be real. Where we can be real people who are at church, honest about who we are, honest about our struggles, honest about our successes, not trying to impress anybody, not trying to put on a big show, but that we can be a church full of real people who need a real God to do a real work in their real lives. And that can happen if we will begin to develop relationships with one another. If we will drop whatever it is, that we're, whatever mask we wear, you know, the mask of, I got all my stuff together, my bank account's full, and my wife loves me, and my kids don't disobey me, we can drop all that and walk in here and be real about who we are and allow the Scripture to change us instead of us trying to transform it to meet our needs then we'll see amazing things happen. When I was um, prepping for this message, it occurred to me, I, I came across this verse, John 14, 12. It says, I tell you the truth, this is Jesus speaking, I tell you the truth, anyone who has faith in me will do what I have been doing. He will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. And I could read that verse a million times and still be amazed by the fact that Jesus is telling us that we're going to do greater things than him, which just blows my mind. 
But when I started thinking about, okay, what are the things that Jesus did? And I started going through the list, and, and so much of what Jesus did, I can't do. I can't heal people. I'm not Benny Hinn. I don't know if Benny Hinn can really heal people. But I can't heal people. You know, Jesus would come up to somebody who their whole life had been blind. And he'd spit in the dirt and make mud out of his holy spit. And he'd put that on their eyeballs. And they'd go wash it off and then they could see. I can't raise somebody from the dead. There's stories in the scripture where, this is one story where Jesus went, this guy had been dead in the tomb for a few days. And his family said, Jesus, if you open that up, man, it's going to smell bad. And he said, I'm not scared of something smelling bad. I've been hanging around these disciples. Open it up. And he goes in there and tells that guy to get up. And the guy gets up and walks out. And he, had, he was dead, dead as a doornail dead. I can't do that. I can't teach like Jesus did. I can stand up here and I can teach the absolute best message that I'll ever do in my life, and it won't even compare to the Sermon on the Mount that Jesus preached. But you know something that Jesus did that I can do and that you can do? I can develop relationships with people. And all through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, all through the Gospels, we read story after story where Jesus was developing relationships with people, spending time with people, getting to know them, helping them understand the kingdom of God, helping them grow closer to the Heavenly Father. And that's something that all of us can do. And you know what else is cool about that is when you start looking at who Jesus developed relationships with, they weren't all the same. I don't know about you, but most of my friends look alike make about the same amount of money, drive about the same type of cars, and are interested in pretty much the same types of things. But when you look at the friends Jesus had, just look at his disciples. He had some fishermen in there. He had a tax collector in there, dude that worked for the government that nobody likes them. He had, he had one guy named Simon the Zealot. You know who Simon the Zealot would be today? He'd be the right-wing militia guy that's holding, you know, stockpiling a bunch of weapons that wants to eventually overthrow the government. And that was one of the disciples. And Jesus looked at people, and he didn't care what your political affiliation was, whether you voted Democrat or Republican. He didn't care how much money you had, whether you lived on the hill or in the valley. He didn't care what your hobby was. He didn't care any of that stuff. All he cared about was, are you interested in being my friend and then help let, allowing me to change your life to know more about who God is and what He wants to do in your life. And that's something that I can do and you can do. We can all develop relationships like Jesus. So this is what I want us to pray. We're going we're gonna to pray and, and, uh, and go out of here today and then gather back at 3 o'clock today for baptism. I want to see all of you there. But as I pray... I just want you to spend a little time praying yourself and thinking about, okay, how can I develop a real relationship with someone that I know? That may, you know, it doesn't have to be like somebody you've never met before. You've already got folks. How can you get closer to somebody else? How can you spend some time with them? How can you find someone that just needs a little bit of help to understand who Jesus is a little better?
Find someone not as far along the road spiritually as you. Develop a relationship with them. Find someone further along the road spiritually with you. Develop a relationship with them so they can help you. But here's, here's what I think. Imagine if we all did that, if we all spent some time really developing close relationships with people. Imagine the impact that that could have outside of these walls. When you can go to your work and say, you know what, the church I go to, and I got these two guys there that I've started to be friends with, and they have made a huge difference in my life. And that's, you know what that's going to make people want to do? That's going to make people want to come here and check that out. So let's pray. Father God, I think oftentimes when, um, when we read the Bible, we get hung up on the parts that we don't understand. We get hung up on the parts that seem confusing to us and seem strange to us. But Lord, there's so much in your word that's just very clear. And one of the things that's very clear as we read it is that is your desire that we don't live life alone. It's your desire that we have real deep relationships with other people and that we help each other through this life. And we, we see it when we read the Scripture. We see it as an example in your life, the way you live. So, Father, I pray for myself, for our staff, for our elders, for our volunteers, for all of our partners, for everyone who attends Freedom Fellowship, that we would all work harder and we would allow you to work in our lives to help us to develop real relationships with other people here. And then we look forward to the work you're going to do. We look forward to the way you're going to spread that outside of these walls into our community to make a difference. And that we will see people come to know you. We'll see people set free from sin. Because you're the only one that can do that. You're the only one that can set people free from their sin. And we want to see that happen. We ask these things in the name of Jesus. Amen.